This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Dan Baltic. And this is Matt Pegasus. And uh, this is the um, comedy episode. We are, uh, yeah, we're doing the, the New Right take on comedy here today. And, uh, you know, crucially, we are uh, both in, uh, in New York City, the epicenter of comedy right now, aren't we? Yes, we are live from New York, live from Brooklyn. Um, I'm actually in Dan's living room right now. And Dan is in his room. Uh, and this is what we've determined will we'll work best to record this uh, very special episode of New Right. Um, this We're is both. the live from Dan's apartment episode. This is live from New York, live from Dan's apartment, live from Brooklyn. Uh, I'll also just add, I mean, we're we're both uh, we're both a few absents in at this point. So uh, again, it's you know this is uh, this is an experiment, and uh, we'll see where yeah. it goes. But we're talking about comedy, so it feels like a good episode uh, to do in person, uh, you know, at the epicenter of, uh, epicenter of comedy, New York. Uh, what were you calling it, Dan? The, the sewer? What was it? Well, there's the comedy cellar is a famous, it's where Louis CK performed. It's a famous venue. And so I call this the comedy sewer episode where uh, we, we discuss the state of comedy today, which is in the sewer and we, uh, yeah. except for some notable exceptions, who are, we are going to highlight. And then we discuss, uh, you know, ways to get out of the comedy sewer that is uh, the place the, the industry finds itself today. And, right. uh, and indeed, with regard to the absinthe, this is, I think, the first episode we've done moderately fucked up. So, yeah, like, I think so. It is... uh, it's not the first podcast I've ever done under the influence, but it's the first I've done under the influence. And uh, yeah, it is, no. it is the first you've done under the influence, or not? The, the new right episode I've done. All I've right. done other podcasts uh, with, with a little help uh, from from alcohol, <laughs> but um, but yeah, let's get into it. So. The new right take on comedy. Basically, comedy today is um, the prevailing establishment, woke, cathedral, whatever you want to call it, narrative 
which all of uh, you know the mainstream media industry has to buy into, uh, it it makes it very difficult for people to um, uh, tell jokes, frankly, because um, a lot of the things that are or are or would be funny, which involve say differences between men and women, uh, you know, quote unquote racist jokes. Uh, you know, jokes that, you know, jokes about fat people, whatever, jokes about sluts. Like, this is like, you know, this is the historic bread and butter of comedy. And, you know, all of this is, you know, basically off limits now. So, like, you, you have the comedy today of the Hannah Gatsby's of the world, the, you know, uh, like, it's kind of like a, a woke meta take on comedy which is like anything but funny. It's, it's funny that we have to endure it, but it's not actually funny. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, it, it's very difficult in today's day and age to have a Netflix special that's actually funny because there's all of these topics that you can't speak honestly about and you have to like toe the narrative line which is essentially to repeat kind of saccharine lies. And it's, you know, you you can't really be funny as a uh, a member of the cathedral, as a mainstream media institution. That is my uh, proposition. And I think you generally agree with that, Matt. Yeah, no, certainly. uh, Certainly with the idea that comedy is founded in honesty uh you know that it's funny when there's at least a grain of truth and that increasingly uh you know you're not allowed to speak the truth uh, in a mainstream media or mainstream entertainment context um is certainly something i'm i'm on board with and you know there's famous cases that we're not obviously we're far from the first people to point this out and crucially someone like Jerry Seinfeld at a certain point in time, 2015, 2016, so before things were even as crazy as they are now, said he would no longer perform on college campuses due to the threat of people, you know, walking out on him, finding him offensive. Uh, You know, I think that you don't have to be uh, a base red pillar to acknowledge that comedy is, is in a kind of degraded state given the not merely the limitations on what people can say, but but also uh, just the the politicization of everything. Uh, everything has to have this political angle. Uh, the commentary, the, sorry, the, <laughs> that's the yeah. absence of talking. The yeah. comedy comes secondary to uh, one's allegiance to a certain political agenda, be that you know, leftism proper or be that just kind of basic bitch mainstream resist liberalism, resistance liberalism. Um, the, especially during the Trump era, the, the politics became the primary thing. The comedy became secondary. And I think that that is what has resulted in the sort of paltry offerings we have today in the realm of comedy. I mean, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live used to be funny. I haven't watched in years. Seems like a cringe fest. So if you want to talk about that kind of stand-up comedy and, and, and sketch comedy, that's in the toilet. I but mean, yeah. like, I think a, a great example of that would be 
when they did the uh, the, the sketch with uh, Kate McKinnon as Hillary Clinton singing Hallelujah after the, the Leonard Cohen song Hallelujah after she lost, which was like a kind of mournful, uh, you know, like grievance, yes, but a, a like, you know, a, uh, a dirge, a dirge for, uh, you know, the, her, you know, failed presidential ambitions, right. which is like the antithesis of, well, no, it actually is quite funny. It's funny, but they, you know, didn't play it for humor. They played it for like, you know, the, the absolute travesty it is that the ultimate girl boss, Hillary Clinton, you know, failed in her, you know, attempt to, you know, achieve the pinnacle of, uh, you know, Yas Queen. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, and, you know, that, the fact that they, you know, kind of played it so seriously actually is hilarious, but, the, you know, unintentionally so. And like, I think that's a great example. Like that's what Saturday Night Live has become. It's become, you know, Kate McKinnon singing hallelujah to, you know, mourn the death of Hillary Clinton's political future. And so like, it, it's become like Saturday Night Live is like, you know, inarguably, a an arm of the democratic party an arm of yeah. the you know the woke establishment narrative and yeah. uh, you know basically what previously was the kind of uh, you know creative class the entertainment class the, the 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 wits the you know the satirists they've all been drafted into the service of the gay american empire and yeah. you know they're soldiers of the you know of the the gay, and yeah. um, it's you know. Uh, well, look, maybe they always sort of have been. I mean, you could always make the claim that the media and the entertainment industry has always been to the left, and that most of the people involved have been Democratic Party members and members of the you know cultural and political left, and yet. The issue isn't just merely their allegiance, but also the all-encompassing nature uh, of what they're now doing, which is making all of the comedy about politics. Um, and uh, I mean, the other example, more recent than Hillary Clinton's loss and the Hallelujah dirge. I just, I get, I, I get this via headlines. I don't watch Saturday Night Live, but you know, there was like some kind of play on the song WAP where it was rather than a wet-ass pussy, it was woman as president, and it was Paul Thomas Anderson's wife, whose name is escaping me. She was in Bridesmaid. She's a regular on SNL, and I guess the absent is obliterating this from my memory banks. Whatever this woman's uh, name is. Uh, yeah. As Kamala Harris, and it was WAP, and women as president. Anyway, the point being that it, you know, these things have wait, wait. garb. It's not Leslie Jones, is it? No, it's not Leslie Jones. If you, uh, I'm on my phone, you're on your computer. If you Google Paul Davis, <laughs> Thomas Anderson's wife, it's a name that I'll be kicking. These, Let's see. these sketches have, what's that? Let's see. Paul Thomas Anderson's yeah. wife. This is, yeah, this is a great podcast. As I'm Googling Paul Thomas Anderson's wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll finish my thought. 
in a moment. Yeah. Maya Rudolph. There we go. Maya Rudolph. There you go. Um, as Kamala Harris. Anyway, these sketches have the trappings of comedy in that, you know, it's, it's someone dressed up as a presidential figure. It's a sort of, you, I guess you could call it a satire, a parody of a song. So they have the trappings of comedy. You know, they, they, they come in that package. People are sort of triggered to laugh because it's someone dressed up as another person and there's a song being repurposed. But they're not comedy. They're political statements. You know, I mean, the hallelujah was a genuine dirge, as you said. The women as president thing, you know, is also a genuine sentiment. It's, like it's we, not comedy. Yeah. We often hear the, you know, the left wears religion as a skin suit. That may be true, but they certainly wear comedy as a skin suit. This is not comedy. This is they've like fucking killed comedy and they wear its skin. And that's all yeah. that's left. Yes. No, exactly. And I, um, we, in our little notes, we were, t- you know, in, in preparation for doing this episode, I laid a lot of the blame, in my opinion, at the feet of people who are not necessarily the absolute, uh, you know, crux of wokeness proper. But nevertheless, I think a lot of the blame can be applied to Jon Stewart and his progeny like Stephen Colbert and now uh, Trevor Noah. Yeah. Um, I think that these and, – and Trevor Noah. Uh, but the whole the, – the osmosis or, or alchemy uh, uh, of – of politics into comedy or vice versa, I think a lot of the blame can be set at their feet. Uh, and you know, these were widely watched programs, The Daily Show, uh, The Colbert Report, and now, you know, I guess, what is Trevor Noah? It's still The Daily Show. Still anyway, The Daily Show. Uh, yeah, these are widely, widely watched shows by kind of the normie libs of the world. And even a lot of the people who are further to the left still you know, maybe they uh, they got woke filled by these programs. Um, they're widely watched, and you know their whole thing was doing a comedic shtick uh, about the news, um, and they probably got a lot more viewers than the actual news for for many years there. Basically, yeah, I think the blame they were the ones who really made comedy political. In, in in the all encompassing way it is now made comedy sort of a a uh, a wing made made the sort of comedic establishment a wing of the Democratic Party and, yeah. and vice versa. And I think that that TV programming there uh, is a lot of kind of how we came to be where we are with the state of mainstream comedy. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. And the silver lining of this is that the kind of like woke establishment by having all of these taboos around things that are um, like uh, they have made taboo pointing out the ridiculousness of, you know, the narratives that they hold. And this has created a condition, the, the environment for, um, you know, frankly, uh, someone who is, you know, going to, uh, you know, poke holes in their narrative uh, to, you know, have like great comedic success. 
So essentially what they've done is create the environment for uh, right-wing comedy. And the, the landscape today, it's not real, it's barely even possible to do right-wing comedy. And like all, all authentic comedy, almost all, it has to be right-wing because comedy is about, you know, kind of poking holes and poking fun at the shibboleths of the, you know, the establishment. And the establishment is left wing. Right. And the and also what they've done is they they champion narratives that are absurd. So yes, the you know the you know gender stuff, men and women are a hundred percent equal. There's no difference between man and woman. And uh, indeed like the trans stuff, like you know, there's no such thing as a man or a woman. It's all, you know, up to yeah. you know whatever you want to, you know, believe. And so there's also, and like there are other, you know, areas too, where they uh, have, you know, various kind of uh, taboo beliefs or beliefs about what would be taboo to point out uh, differences between, you know, uh, population groups and, and stuff of that mm -hmm. nature. And, um, you know, the, fervency with which they, they hold these, uh, these taboos, these uh, beliefs that, you know, to challenge would be a taboo to challenge them means that, um, and, and the increasing absurdity of their positions, and they've just, they've twisted, contorted themselves into such, you know, lies and, you know, saccharine, you know, kind of like absurdities that like, they created a condition that is like absolutely ripe for comedy. They are like absolutely like, you know, they're asking for it. <laughs> and yes. uh, they, are, they are asking for it from, who are they asking for it from? Who's taking advantage of this? And I think we have, we've discussed this in the notes. There's kind of like two schools right now that are actually funny, that are doing funny shit and are taking advantage of this moment. And uh, I, I'm going to suggest the one we described first is um, the, uh, the dirtbag left school that kind of pokes fun at these things while kind of like ultimately you, the reader or the, the audience knows that their allegiance is with the left, so they get a pass. So it's the school of non-ironic sexism, non-ironic racism, non-ironic bigotry. And no one is a better exemplar of this than Nick Mullen of Cumtown. Mm -hmm. And he is probably, in my opinion, the funniest person alive today. And he's like, the you know, he, the, what he gets away with saying is like 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 he had a bit like the the alt right Homer Simpson, the funniest thing I've heard in the past like five years at least maybe ever, and like like in, you know it's just like he is so willing to you know say what's actually like true about you know the you know just like has no respect for the taboos or shibboleths of you know today and. Um, 
he gets away with it because people know that like ultimately he does respect it because he if you know our audience doesn't know Nick Mullen and Come Town Come Town is his podcast they are uh, you know basically members of the DSA and are leftists and like etc so they they because they have the badge they get to make the jokes yeah no, no, exactly. Well, that's another thing. I mean, a lot of the funniest comedians, well, this is another topic within this broader topic. But obviously, uh, you know, a lot of Jewish comedians can get by with a little more comedy wise. And like, uh, just generally speaking, a lot of, um, you know, if, if you're not a, a straight, straight white Christian, totally like, uh, male uh you can get get by with a little more but but one way is also um you know if you're if you're like a card carrying socialist you know it helps these little ways of qualifying uh, are how a lot of people sort of get the the funnier comedy uh you know past the goalpost so to speak and as you said i think Nick Mullen's a good example of that being and th- honestly the the dirtbag left in general not just with regard to comedy but with regard to to everything they say, um, you know, that's that's kind of the whole shtick in a way of the dirtbag leftists. Oh, of course, we're socialists. We're the real leftists, in fact. But also, Camille Paglia was right. Or also, maybe there's something to some of the stuff these alt-right people are saying. Or or maybe there's something, in the case of like an Anna Ketchian, you know, maybe there's something to Bath and to Welbeck. You know, it's this... Uh, well, I would, sort of, uh, I would differentiate Red Scare and Anna from like Nick and Come Town in the sense that like I wouldn't say that Anna and Red Scare are like you know like relying on like ultimately oh I'm a leftist because they don't they get you know shit they get heat yeah because they're not leftists like they're not totally reliant upon it but i do think it's how they kind of broke through a little bit to a more mainstream audience than any of us you know straight white males on the well, real, I mean, the I real think part of right yeah the reason why they broke through is because you know they're attractive women and like that ultimately will get you pretty far. Yeah. Whereas, so yeah, 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 for sure. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, you know, been, Nick yeah. wasn't gonna, Nick couldn't be Nick. Nick Mullen couldn't be Nick Mullen if he didn't say that he's like a leftist. Because True. if Nick Mullen wasn't a leftist, he would be the next guy we're gonna talk about, Sam Hyde. So, Sam Hyde. Why don't you uh, you take it away, Matt? What do we have to say about Sam Hyde? Well, I think the note you'd made earlier is that Nick Mullen is funny because he pretends to be racist, and Sam Hyde is funny because he actually is racist. <laughs> Not to be uh, too simplistic about it. I mean, the thing they used to say about Sam Hyde and Million Dollar Extreme back when the show was first done in 2016 was that it was post-ironic, which is one of these kind of cringe academic terms that basically means you can't... The, the, the distinction between sincerity and insincerity, sincerity and irony is blurred to the point where it doesn't really matter 
Uh, and that's not really the point of the comedy. The point is just kind of the presentation or the spectacle itself. And, you know, I mean, what can we say about MDE and Sam Hyde that hasn't already been said? It's hilarious. There's just a few episodes out totaling not much more, I think, than an hour of content. If we're talking about the Cartoon Network, the, the Adult Swim special that aired in 2016, obviously there you can find more Million Dollar Extreme material that had been made before and that has been made since, and much of it is also quite funny. Um, but, you know, it was this breakthrough moment where, you know, Frog Twitter and the alt-right of that time influenced a, not mainstream per se, but a, you know, a, an, an aired, net, you know, an aired uh, television show um, that was able, you know, I guess you could say kind of wrote between the lines in some sense uh, to, to ref, you know, to, to refer back to a sort of new right theme that we bring up again and again about the idea of writing between the lines and sort of disguising what you really believe with the level of plausible deniability with, with million dollar extreme. It was, yeah, the idea of post irony to go back to that. It was never quite clear what exactly they were trying to convey, but what was clear was that they were, you know, breaking taboos left and right for their own sake. And unlike Nick Mullen, where it's breaking those taboos, but within the framework of what we're all actually socialists and leftists at the end of the day with, with million dollar extreme, I think it was unclear what the perspective of, uh, of Sam Hyde actually was. And I think it eventually became clear that he, even if he wasn't as sort of anti-Semitic or as, far right as some of the sketches may have conveyed that he was at least a Trump supporter. He was an open Trump supporter in 2016. And mm-hmm. that's why it didn't last too long. You know, Comtown is still with us, I believe. I'm not a regular listener, yeah, but it's with us. Whilst uh, MDE was, some people say it was one of the first real casualties of, of Trump's victory. You know, it was, it was basically canceled later that November of 2016. Uh, and it's because you know, so what Sam Hyde was doing on Cartoon Network is just not something you can do, not something that's permitted, which is being a a straight white male and an open right winger, shall we say. And uh, also, you know, being funny is not allowed. And it's a kind of a success enough and funny enough that it got through that he got one past the goalie in the first place. Um Yeah. And the content that was produced was great. But yeah, basically just to return that idea. Nick Mullen is funny because he pretends to be racist. Sam Hyde is funny because he actually kind of is. Which actually makes Sam Hyde funny. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, though Mullen is funny, the fact that he kind of, you know, every joke he tells, it's kind of like, but you don't really believe that. But you do really believe. It's just so muddied in like you know, various levels of kind of uh, safety checking and like, you know, various levels of kind of subterfuge of some sort. It, to me, undercuts the comedy of it. Whereas like the kind of, you know, obviously, and I, I certainly don't agree with everything that Sam Hyde says, and yes, he is a comedian, so it has to be taken with a, a grain of salt, but he's certainly not a member of the DSA. 
So when he says stuff that is like very biting, yeah, you kind of like, you know, you know that he does, he's, you know, there's no kind of like doubting that it's what he really means in the same way there is with Mullen when it's like, well, you can't be a member of the DSA and believe these things. So like Sam Hyde's jokes punch harder and that in some ways makes him a more like honest and brave comedian and and a better comedian. And Mm -hmm. that is something that, you know, in this day and age means he's going to be a less successful comedian and not, you know, not making as much money and certainly not have as many outlets like Mullen is, you know, probably making something like 500 to a million dollars a year just off his podcast alone. And yeah, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that, um, like I know that, Hyde currently has like a somehow he has a YouTube show. I you know I, I hope that uh, you know he doesn't yeah. get canceled. <laughs> but uh, I like, I don't think he's on YouTube. I think you kind of have to go to their personal website. Unfortunately, I think he probably would have gotten kicked off of YouTube. But no, he's still he's still making videos. He's on Instagram. He's he's on Twitter actually. He despite is? having been banned. Yeah, uh, Twitter.com at Wigger. That's what you have to look up huh. uh, at W I G G E R. That's Sam Hyde. That's uh, his handle, Wigger. That's his handle. Yeah, I believe he paid a good chunk of money to get that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's yeah, funny. No. Like that's funny right there. Yeah, it is funny. I don't know if someone else, someone else must have had that handle. I don't know what what uh what he did to to get that handle but that's where he's at he's not too active on twitter he's pretty he's surprisingly active on instagram i would say his comedy oh. is around uh, but it's uh it's not it's not very public facing like you you have to kind of seek it out um and it is still funny it's him it's still mil- it's still not just sam hyde either by the way he has a whole you know million dollar extreme brand and other people he makes videos with though i don't know if they're the same videos he made that you know that he made the original adult swim series with um i don't know if it's something we want to get into on this podcast but you know some of some of his uh his uh co co comedians on the original million dollar extreme have gone on to do some interesting interesting things as well i mean yeah frank uh frank hassle we were talking about he like keeping with like Sam Hyde's kind of like dangerous opinions, like he's literally doing dangerous comedy in that he's like, I think he's been arrested approaching people and like doing a, like his, his, you know, Frank hassle. And so he does a, a, like a real life hassle where he's a jerk to people on camera in real life. And uh, yeah, it's just like, it's, you know, I've like fallen down like a rabbit hole watching his stuff one night and like, you know, like an hour goes by, like nothing because it's fascinating to watch someone, you know, harass random people. And like, yeah, I don't entirely, I don't agree with what he's doing. Like that's, it's kind of fucked up, but it is funny. And that's something like humor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something that you're going to feel good about all the time. 
humor is fucked up sometimes. Yeah. And that's yeah, something yeah. that you, you can't really, you know, that's the thing about like the gesture, the, like the, the court gesture. He, he was someone who like could tell the truth because he was beneath contempt and someone who's mm-hmm. a comedian in some sense, can't also be someone who's a card-carrying member of the establishment because you have to be beneath contempt to tell the truth. And that is what Sam Hyde is. That is what Frank Hassel is. Like all of these people who are just like, like the, the the mainstream, the establishment, they would call them scum. And that's why they're, they're able to tell the truth. And that's why they're funny. And, um, you know, like real, like, like mainstream comedy SNL is just wearing the skin suit of comedy. It's not actually like, you know, it's, it's not anywhere near the embodiment of the court gesture that comedy actually is. And someone like Nick Mullen, he's somewhere in between. He's wearing a skin suit of sorts. He's like, he's a member of the establishment. Not really, but like he's, he's not going to, you know, get, uh, you know, blackballed from the, because far from it. He has like, you know, successful comedy tours. Like he is touching the third rail. He's telling the truths that, um, you know, that really only the gesture, the one who's beneath contempt gets to tell, but he doesn't want to be beneath contempt. He, he, and, you know, the other guys on Come Town, they want to be part of the, the kind of clique of cool kids who, you know, are accepted by the, if not the establishment, by the cool version of the establishment. And like, they have like successful lives. They have like, like Mm -hmm. Adam Freeland, he he dated Dasha Nekrasova, who's, you know, like Dasha of Red Scare, like, you know, every, you know, incel stream girl. And like, you know, they're like actually successful people in real life. I don't yeah. know if you can in this environment or in any environment be a successful person at a comedian. If you're a comedian, yeah. it means you have to be able to, you know, be so like kind of out so far out of the mainstream, so far out of the, the game where you have status and you can, you know, leverage it that you are so free because you are risking nothing, because you have nothing. You are so free to say anything. And that is the space that real comedy needs to operate from. So when you, like, when you hear Sam Hyde, you watch his stand-up or something, it's clear that he's just, he's like a man, you know, a man outside, a man who's like not tied to any sort of, <laughs> like any sort of standard at all. And I mean, and that is like both funny and wild and that's like that's what you want to see when you see comedy you want to see wild wilderness you want to see the the wilderness in man yeah yeah at the most you know the best comedy obviously there's always going to be stupid comedy that doesn't hit that stride but yes no i agree and i mean that's what you said a moment ago i mean that's i guess the most negative interpretation of certain 
certain people within the so-called dirtbag left is it's people who want to kind of have their cake and eat it too. It's what Bronze Age pervert accuses quote-unquote face fags of being, you know, as people who want to grab the energy uh, of, you know, the frogs, for lack of a better word, want to tap into that dissident energy, tap into that um, barrier-breaking energy, um, that, you know, shibboleth-flouting energy, but want to use it to just be, you know, another cool kid. I mean, I don't think that applies to, by, by far, I don't think it applies to everyone in the dirtbag left, but that is, like, the, the worst blush interpretation of what some not just dirtbag left presenters and people who are actually making those podcasts, but also your average, and there's probably a lot of them here in Brooklyn, um, you know, people who are, you know, they're not, they know that resist libs are cringe and they know that wokeness is overdone and cringe, but they're not willing to really swallow the hard pills and actually delve into views that would make them, you know, outsiders. Yeah. Which is what, on the other hand, people like Sam Hyde are willing to do. And it's not just Sam Hyde. He's not just our golden boy, you know, one example of a comedian. We were talking earlier, the whole thing of our corner of Twitter, of Frog Twitter, um, a lot of it is comedy. You know, there's politics, which is often serious, and there's serious kind of big brain considerations of this, that and the other thing, but half the tweets you see, if I'm just scrolling through my timeline, are people trying to be funny. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you've highlighted Howling Mutant as a, as a great comedic account. I could name a dozen others. I like a lot of the people associated with Jack's podcast, The Perfume Nationalists, whether it's Brendan Lusso, FKA, Gorgonzola Man, or, uh, you know, Blauergeist is funny sometimes. Like, comedy Jugs. is... Uh, Jugs, jokes, jokes department. Yeah, it's it's absolutely integral to to what we do on our corner of Twitter. Is is this yeah. kind of comedy? I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's a non. You know, like not like yes, like Howling Mutant and Jugs. They're they're a non. Like we don't know who they actually are, though. Like we would love to have them on the pod, but yes. uh, that's. Uh, that's a little, you know, missive out there, but, um, yeah, it's even beyond, you know, the actual, like a non accounts, just like, like true 4chan wild energy, like memes going back and forth. Like, you know, this is, you know, kind of like in a generative environment for Twitter where you have like, you know, the kind of like jokes and, and comedy that's coming out of here, just like some random kid who like throws a meme together. Like you, you don't really have this on the other side because no, for the reasons don't. that we've stated, you can't because like, well, what are they going to make fun of? They're going to, because the establishment is left. So you're going to yes. essentially, if you're on the other side of the aisle and you're making fun of the right, you're really just punching down. And that's not really, that yeah. can be funny, but it's not really funny in the way they do it often. Like it would be like, it's it's so like clearly like motivated. I'm thinking of like kind of like tanky left humor or like, you know, certainly Reddit left humor, 
but like yeah and certainly like resistance lib humor it's all like mm -hmm. very um uh very i'm not gonna say pedantic very uh, you know sermonizing it's like yes, so it's, clearly well, it's moralistic they, yeah moralistic. it often is pedantic it often is it's it's meant to teach you a lesson and it's it's the idea you know brett easton ellis talks about how movies have died because ideology came before aesthetics well comedies a sub branch of that where ideology comes before the aesthetics but it's the ideology coming before the humor yeah and, exactly um no two things what you said that ring very true i mean one yes our corner of the internet the meme culture of it all the 4chan energy of it all again it's very integral to what this whole thing is and then b uh, on the subject of you know punching down i mean i had some interesting thoughts on that earlier yeah, I mean, the comedy that you see now where it's, you know, SNL and other outlets are, are part and parcel of the mainstream and part and parcel of the, you know, the, the, the center left mainstream and the Democratic Party. Um, you know, absolutely what they're doing is punching down. They're making fun of people um, who have significantly, have, have, you know, compared to them, have no cultural power. They have everything, and, and, and Red America has nothing in terms of cultural power. But even in terms of wealth, you know, there's some out-and-out out sort of making fun of, uh, you know, blue-collar, white, straight, male Americans. And just really, I mean, there's, there's, very, few, uh, there's very few metrics of power in which it's not a case of people punching down. Um, yeah. but crucially, they don't see it that way because, you know, a lot of their influences, they're used to the comedic culture that came out of the eighties and the nineties, where there still was a moral majority where conservatives, Absolutely. I mean, look, it's always, the comedy has always been left wing. The mainstream media has always been left wing. The whole pretty much kit and caboodle of, of this, of, of the United States and of the powers that be has always kind of veered to the left but you know post reagan and everything there yeah there was a moral majority there were people you know in positions of power who who were right wing you know obviously during the george w bush administration a certain kind of republican was ostensibly in power you know so yeah. they're still in the mentality where they don't think they're punching down they think they're punching up they think that, in fact, very much the self-regard of these people is very, you know, evidently, and they'll even say this verbatim, that they are speaking truth to power. Yeah. And doing so in a stunningly brave manner. That's their self-regard. Yeah. And, and even when they know they're sort of punching down their images of themselves, it's kind of like, you remember this very cringe, I don't think it was a Netflix original movie that came out, I believe, last year called Prom involving i don't even know their names off the top of their head is meryl streep involved maybe i don't know a bunch of different hollywood celebrities acting out this real world story of um well, you know based going on to, the musical play the prom is it based off of a musical there you go I believe they went so. to some town and they took some i guess lesbian or or, or gay kid to prom who had previously been far i don't even know the story but my point is well, that's, that's, that's the story stuff. that it was yeah, yeah like a gay a lesbian girl who you know couldn't take her girlfriend to prom because like and it was like i think set in the 90s or something because that's not even true today 
there's no town in America where you can't take your girlfriend to prom today. There so you go. like, I mean, that's, it's that's like their self image. Their self image is like the, you know, the culture wars of the eighties and nineties, which they won and they keep going back to it because they need to be the underdog when in fact they're the stormtroopers. Exactly. The stormtroopers rushing into red America and, you know, they think they're doing something noble and heroic, but they're actually practicing a, practicing a form of, I guess, imperialism, you'd call it. Um, and that's evident to a lot of us. But again, their self-regard is very diluted and they, you know, they still think of themselves as speaking truth to power and rescuing those in need. And, you know, I don't know. There's still parts of America where maybe it is hard to grow up gay or whatever. But like for the most part, the image that they are punching down is much more even if it's not in and of itself totally true in all cases at all times it's much closer to truth than their self-image of speaking truth to power absolutely in need yeah yeah they you know they are stuck in the you know they're a casualty of their own victories and Mm -hmm. they you know it's really hard to uh be the kind of like witty, um, uh, provocative underdog when you control everything. And so like they've, they've seeded comedy to the right by virtue of winning. And it's like, sorry, that's, that's ours. Now you gave it up by winning and Mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, I mean, also like what, what is more hilarious? Like, even as you describe it, like kind of like liberal white white women like rushing to a, a red state to help like some lesbian bring her girlfriend to prom. It's so is it's hilarious, and like that is like they've become ridiculous, and yeah. it's funny, and you know the, so I mean they've everything in culture today as fucked up as it is has set the stage for brilliant right-wing comedy. And the problem Mm -hmm. is we don't have enough of it. The problem is because like, you know, like frog Twitter is great and it's very generative and there's a ton. I mean, like, I don't know if we've had anything like frog Twitter in our history, frankly, but in terms of like an actual individual, like we've talked about Sam Hyde and another Frank Castle, another guy associated with million dollar extreme I don't even really know anyone else to talk about. And that's, you know, that's kind of screwed up. Like, you know, there's so much, it's so possible to be hilarious today from the right. The problem is that anyone who is will have to either of necessity be anonymous or just like, you know, not care about his ability to put food on the table like Sam Hyde Mm -hmm. and just, you know, roll the dice and so that creates an environment that is like, yes, it is kind of like, it's conducive to the best kind of comedy, but it's rare that someone is going to really like reach for that ring. Because if you actually grab the ring, you lose, you know, you lose the food. <laughs> you lose the job. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, what you end up having is... Uh, in the best case scenario, you have a lot of very middling examples, most of whom have been more or less grandfathered into the position where they can 
have a voice at all. I'm thinking, of course, of uh, Dave, Dave Chappelle, who I'd be remiss not to, to mention after all the controversy surrounding him these past couple months. And then you also have people like Ricky Gervais, you know, who now does this podcast with Sam Harris. Um, I put Louis C.K. in this category. He's maybe one of the better examples because he has, in my opinion, C.K. is great, has always been hilarious and has continued to be hilarious after his, uh, you know, cancellation for probably genuine perversion. But um, uh, we classified this group earlier as sort of like the IDW of comedy in the sense that they're broadly speaking on the right side. They're not woke. They're not, they, they, they recognize the excesses of uh, modern liberalism and modern leftism and, and so have the ability to, to be, you know, sort of funny. I think Ricky Gervais's Oscar speech from a couple of years back was, was pretty good. I mean, I, I like it more on a political level. I'm not sure how, how, you know, I wasn't exactly slapping my knee, but he, he made some good points. So these are the sort of, you know, they're, they're an exception to, to the general decline is some of these older, older people who've sort of been grandfathered and have, the, have a platform on Netflix or elsewhere where they, they can push back on the left mainstream a bit. Um, but, you know, they can only go so far. They certainly don't go remotely as far as Sam Hyde. And they found this IDW analogous sort of middle ground where they can you know, make their points, lose some fans, gain a lot of others, be controversial, but not get totally deplatformed. Basically. Exactly. The like the IDW of comedy mirrors the the actual IDW in that they yeah, know, and accept, indeed, just to put it out, like they yeah, go on, sorry. They accept all of the premises that uh, lead people to red pilled conclusions. I'm not going to get too much more specific just because, but uh, they accept all of these premises that uh, lead to, yeah, the, the red pill beliefs, but uh, they don't go there. They just, you know, they kind right. of accept the premises. And so they kind of like, they tease it up, but they don't deliver. And they're not, they're never going to really be that funny. Dave Chappelle's never really going to be that funny. Ricky Gervais is never really going to be that funny because they notice like, oh, look at that. That's, a, you know, hypocritical. That's, you know, that's silly. That's this, that's that. But they won't actually say, well, okay, given all of that, then what's the next step? And like mm -hmm. Sam Hyde will take the next step. And like Nick right. Mullen, Nick Mullen will too. And Nick Mullen gets away with it because like when he tells like, you know, anti, you know, uh, you know, a racist joke or whatever, he turns around and he's like, oh, I'm a leftist. <laughs> and he, you know, he yeah. has to get out of jail free card. But, you know, so yeah. crucially, these IDW comedians, Chappelle, Ricky Gervais, like, um, uh, I don't know, like some people would classify Bill Burr as this, like, it's kind of like funny, but ultimately they're cocks. And yeah. that yeah. is like, that's kind of like, it's a, I appreciate it as someone who's like a little bit red pill. I appreciate watching this, you know, it was certainly more so than like, you know, SNL, but, um, you know, it doesn't really deliver the laughs because they, they're not, you know, they're, 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 they're cocked. They're, you know, they're, you know, yeah. lukewarm. And you, you watch comedy, you want something that's hot. 
You want something that's going to exactly. burn. And, yeah. you know, certainly Chappelle's like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'm totally on board with, you know, this, uh, you know, perverse atrocity. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, like, okay, like, cool, you're not on board with it. That's, um, hmm, that's interesting. But, uh, well, so what's next? I'm like, yeah, Sam Hyde will say what the next thing is. And that's, you know, that's funny. But, like, I appreciate IDW attempts at humor, but I'm not really right. laughing. Exactly. I mean, it's analogous to IDW itself. I think there's plenty uh, of value there, and there's a lot of potential for people to, you know, be drawn into more interesting conclusions, starting with IDW types, but it just doesn't go far enough. Um, but, yeah, no, I was just also going to hammer the point that, like, the IDW comparison is definitely apt because, I mean, Gervais, as I think I said earlier, has a podcast with Sam Harris. And, you know, I don't remember exactly who was during the Chappelle of it all. all you know, the IDW kind of came out of the woodwork to defend him. Um, you know, even some, some better examples of IDW people like Joe Rogan, you know, will, will platform these people. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a network of people who, who, who exist in this semi-acceptable space and, you know, more power to them. I think, I think they do a lot of good work, but they're not exactly like the epitome of like what we're looking for, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's probably a good note to wrap it up on. Yeah. I think we can just about wrap it up. I mean, I guess, the, the one other point I want to say about that whole notion of the SNL mainstream comedy crowd sort of punching down, I think you sort of hit this, but I want to make sure we hit the point. I mean, yeah. the point is that that's not funny. You know, it's not funny when you're in a position uh, of power to say something where there's no risk, where you're saying something that everyone you know is going to be on the exact same page, where all the relevant powers that be are going to be on the exact same page as you and praise you for it. Uh, nothing's at stake there and it's not funny and the type of comedy that you know that we that we hear on new right like uh is is where there where there are stakes and where you can get in trouble for doing it and where it does make novel points and maybe sometimes you have to sort of write between the lines and get creative that way and that can be pretty funny too um but the comedy scene right now is thinly veiled punching down and it fucking sucks and i think that would be my last word on the matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like rooting for like Goldman Sachs to make another billion dollars. Like, exactly. You know, it's, it's a pretty good bet that it's going to happen and it's not that funny. So yep. 100%. <laughs> on, on that note, this, this is, uh, uh, yeah, this is Matt and Dan signing off from, uh, Live signing off live from New York. <laughs> from New Right Headquarters. From New Right Headquarters here in Brooklyn. <laughs>